Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Wednesday, February 24th, 2021. The last three years of my life have been dedicated to the work of church planting. In January of 2018, it was announced that my wife and I and our kids, we were going to be moving to the Boise, Idaho area to be a part of planting a church, Compass Bible Church, Treasure Valley. And we opened the doors of that church in January 2019, and we've been working ever since on this effort of planting this church. And it takes a lot of work. I know it has for my family. And I thank God so often for an incredible team of staff and volunteers that are a part of Compass Bible Church, Treasure Valley, and working really hard to plant and to build up this church. And even now we are in the middle of a project we're calling Taking Ground to try to acquire or build a church building that we can use 24-7 for the task of making disciples. Now, all of this work, all of this effort, it's really based on a promise that Jesus has made. As I have worked on planting a church, there is a promise that Jesus has made. There is a statement that he has said about building his church that should give incredible courage and comfort to all of us. And I'm talking about Matthew chapter 16, where today we're looking at verses 13 through 20. And here, Jesus is with his disciples. This seems like a time that he was probably more isolated with his disciples and investing specifically in them. They go to the district of Caesarea Philippi, which is a city kind of in the northern regions of Galilee. You can still uh, go and, and see some of the remains today. And it was kind of by a cliff and the uh, a cave kind of as a part of this city. And as he is there, he asks his disciples, who do people say that the son of man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah are one of the prophets. So he's trying to say, hey, what's the scuttlebutt? Who do people say that the Son of Man is? What's the word on the street? And the disciples respond, but then he says, and who do you say that I am? And here's one of the times where Peter speaks up and actually says something really, really good and really solid. And we see that here. He says, you are the Christ, the Messiah. Uh, the same word there, uh, the son of the living God. Peter hits the nail on the head. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. You are the Messiah that was foretold by the scriptures. You are the son of God. Now, Jesus responds by making a statement. And then there's a phrase that is a little bit confusing here. He says, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood have not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. There's a lot of discussion there about what that means when he says, on this rock, after he says, you are Peter, right? Because there is a very predominant understanding from the Catholic Church that when he says, and you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, he's saying, Peter, you are this rock that I am going to build my church on. And from that, they get a whole doctrine of understanding really that uh, 
Peter was the first pope. And then understand all these kind of things about a papacy that we as Protestants reject as unbiblical and unright. So what is Jesus talking about when he says, you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church? Well, that's where I think we need to avoid, obviously, the gross misunderstandings and misapplications of this statement uh, that have been made by the Roman Catholic Church. But I do think God, Jesus is saying something about Peter here, because even the name Peter uh, was a nickname, really. You see, he calls him Simon Bar-Jonah. That means Simon, son of Jonah, um, that Peter was a nickname and it means rock. And so I think Jesus is doing a play on words to say, hey, Peter, I'm going to build my church on you. And that's where I think that's clearly been misunderstood in a lot of ways throughout church history. But I do think we've been reading through Acts, we see how central Peter has been in the, the founding of the early church. And also we see in Ephesians 2.20, it says that the foundation of the church, it, the church was built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. So I don't think it's wrong to understand that Jesus is saying something about Peter here, even though in other passages, it makes clear Jesus is the cornerstone of the church. Uh, but I think it's an illustration, and illustrations can be used a variety of ways. In this particular illustration, I think Jesus is saying, hey, Peter, you're the rock on which I'm going to build the church, but notice the role of Jesus in that. Jesus is the builder in that. And I think ultimately, if we do walk away from this thinking more about Peter, we're missing the point no matter how you slice it, because I think the point of this is the power of what Jesus is saying. When he says, you are Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. This amazing statement that Jesus is going to build his church and that the gates of hell aren't going to prevail against it. Um, that depends on the strength of Jesus Christ, not the strength of Peter. And so I think no matter how you slice it, and some people do understand, no, Jesus must not be saying anything about Peter. Uh, Jesus must be making a statement about himself, or maybe he's referring to the confession of Peter. I think uh, different people might understand that uh, differently, and that there can be some valid uh, ideas on either side there. But however you slice it, you got to walk away from this passage focused on the power of Jesus. And even as I think through uh, all the effort that has gone into church planting, it really depends uh, on this promise that Jesus has made about church building and that he is going to build his church and that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Uh, that is an amazing statement. And I think now we have the benefit of 2000 years of hindsight when it comes to this statement. We can look back and see Jesus did build his church, and now his church has kind of stretched all around the world, and despite persecution and all kinds of other chaos in the world, the, the, the church has never been extinguished. The church has continued to flourish. The church has continued to spread. The, the words that Jesus has said here have been proven true. So we should walk away with this passage with a great amount of confidence in Jesus as the one who has promised to build the church, as the one who has promised really to defend the church, that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. 
And I think even as we look out at the world and we see concerns about what's going on in the world, again, we should not be afraid for the church because we know the promises that Jesus has made. And so we should have confidence in those. And I see a connection here between these words and what we read in Psalm 28 today. And even in the last two verses of that Psalm, it says, the Lord is the strength of his people. He is the saving refuge of his anointed. Oh, save your people and bless your heritage. Be their shepherd and carry them forever. And I think in many ways, we can see the the answer to this prayer in verses 8 and 9. God has been, from the time of David all the way up till now, and even before David, the strength of his people. He has been the saving refuge of his anointed, and he has carried his people. He has been their shepherd, and and he's carried them forever. And so, as we look out at the world, we should have a great deal of confidence in Jesus Christ and the promises that he has made. He is going to keep building his church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. He is going to be the strength of his people. He is going to be the saving refuge of his anointed. And no matter what the future has in store, he will be our shepherd and he will carry us forever. So I hope these passages are a great encouragement to you today to have confidence in Jesus Christ as the builder of the church. Yes, he, he built it on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And we know there's other passages even that refer to Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. But all those various analogies and how they're applied in different ways should give us the picture really of, of confidence that the church has a firm foundation. The church will endure because really of the power of of Jesus Christ and because of the promises that he has made. Next, let's go to Acts chapter 17, verses 10 through 21. And today you learn why there are so many Sunday school classes in the United States of America or fellowship groups called the Bereans, because Paul and Silas, they go to a city called Berea. And as they teach there in the synagogue, it says that The people in that city, in verse 11, were more noble-minded or were more noble than those in Thessalonica because they received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. And so we see that they were praised because they didn't just blindly accept what Paul was teaching. They examined the scriptures to see whether what he was teaching was right or not. And that is a way that every Christian should be. We know God has given to the church pastors and teachers, but every Christian has the responsibility of taking what they hear and comparing it to scripture, right? That's why every Sunday when you go to church, I would encourage you, bring your Bible. You should have that open. You should be paying attention and you should be looking to see how what your pastor is saying is hopefully coming from the word of God. I also think in a world where there are so many resources, you think about books or podcasts, and now you have access not only to to sermons that you might hear on a Sunday morning from your own pastor, but access to sermons from pastors all over the world and even uh, from pastors that aren't even alive anymore, right? You have access to so many different things. And as Christians, we shouldn't just be indiscriminately slurping it all up and accepting all of it, we need to always be discerning. 
And even you, you might read a book where there are many good things that you agree with, but you need to watch out for, whoa, there might be some things that I don't know if that lines up with scripture. Every single day, we should be a Berean. So even I would remind you, if all you're doing is listening to this podcast, that's not being a Berean. I would encourage you, you should be reading the Bible for yourself. And you should be comparing the words that I'm saying to the words of the scripture. And you should be reading the Bible, uh, studying for yourself to make sure the things you're hearing at church or on the internet or in books are matching up with what the word of God is saying. You will never regret being a Berean. Finally, we go to Leviticus 15, where we see a lot of laws about discharges and uh, being unclean. And so that's really the the kind of the big idea that I would encourage you to get from this passage is that word that's used obviously as a theme of being unclean and seeing how people could be purified from that. And again, these laws that we see here in Leviticus 15, they're not things that you need to go and live out today. We're not living out the ceremonial laws of the Old Testament in the time in which we are living. But I do think we should see something about how seriously God took being clean. And we should think even of Isaiah in chapter 6 when he says, Woe is me, for I am undone, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live amongst a people of unclean unclean lips. And I think we should walk away from this chapter with a sense of gratitude that we are unclean people, but we can be washed. We can be made right through Jesus Christ and that he can declare us to be clean in the sight of God. And so may we praise God for the cleansing that we can have in Jesus Christ. And may we also seek to walk in that cleanliness, really uh, not in ceremonial ways, but in spiritual ways, uh, keeping our hands washed, even as we discussed recently at Compass Bible Church, Treasure Valley, and continuing to seek Christ. May we focus on Christ and may we enter today with a great deal of confidence that no matter what's going on in the world, uh, no matter what's going on in our areas, Jesus Christ has said he's going to build his church. And no matter what, the gates of hell are not going to prevail against it. So let's keep our eyes on him. Let's keep digging into his word and learning together. Thanks for digging into God's word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.